This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. The world is the exception. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, and ends the same. The rest of them, yeah. Pardon my French, fuck those fuckers. Hello, and welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to the Amazon series The Boys and the girls who always turn out to be the real heroes. I am Jen Adams. And I'm Rachel Reeves. And we are back in your ear holes to talk about episode two of season one. I don't know if we can call it the sophomore episode because that feels like, like, I don't know, you don't go to like high school for like three seasons of 30 episodes but yeah. this is the sophomore episode technically yeah we had the pilot episode which really you know pilots are always establishing characters mm -hmm. in the world and so now it's like all right episode two we're getting into it we're moving this train along so yeah, yeah. an exciting episode for me for sure it is. I mean, this is like some shit goes down in this episode, you know? I feel like a lot of times, like I kind of base a lot of my arcs of understanding on like Game of Thrones seasons, you know? <laughs> I feel yeah. like the second episode is like when the dust settles a lot of times, but this one, like it moves and it goes in places. I'm very excited to talk about it. Um, So let's get started. We're going to talk about our first section, the name of the game. Yeah, so today's episode is called Cherry, which Ch we can Ch talk. Cherry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why uh, it might be called Cherry a little bit later, mm -hmm. but yes. So this episode is directed by Matt Shackman. Shakeman. Uh, not yeah. sure on that, Sounds but right. <laughs> uh, yep, close enough. And uh, he's done a lot of TV, so including episodes of WandaVision, Game of Thrones, The Great, and like a bazillion episodes of It's Always <laughs> Sunny in Philadelphia. So he seems like a perfect fit to really kind of get this series going and make it polished and yeah, moving in the right direction. And exciting and like irreverent too. Have you seen The Great? I haven't, but I've heard really amazing things. So I feel like I need to check it out because I think I have like an idea in my head of what it is. And yet I don't think that's what it is at all. <laughs> it's like it was a new discovery for me. I was writing something about shows that are like um, Rain, which is a CW show. Um, and this was one of them. And I was like, oh, I'll check it out. I like Nicholas Holt. He's kind of cute. And this show is incredible. Like it is so funny. It's like fancy British people, but they're just cussing and like fucking and like Weird. Yeah. Doing See, that's not what I each other out was. all the time. It's hilarious. <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's got two seasons of 10 episodes, so it's not a huge time commitment either. Um, so good. I loved it. So I was really happy to see that he was around. And then Corey put on randomly an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia last night. I hadn't watched that show in a long time, but I haven't man. either. But I mean, yeah, just I always like think they're not going to be funny and like a little too like <laughs> raunchy or whatever for my taste. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just so good and so yeah. dumb. <laughs> Small doses for me, I think, but those small doses are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I have a crush on everybody in that show, too. So, which is not surprising for me. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's move into our next episode, our, our next section called Sup with the Soups, which is where we're going to recap what's happening. So, when we last left our fearless heroes, Huey and Butcher had just fought an electrocuted translucent after he followed Huey to his electronic 
his electronic shop to confront him about planting a bug in Vought Tower. So the bug is kaput. Mm-hmm. And Huey's cover is blown by Translucent, but Translucent is on the floor when we leave. We also find out the Butcher is not actually a federal agent, which, like, it's not the biggest surprise, you know. He, he, he didn't really <laughs> have me fooled. That's exactly. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and so we've got that, and Starlight was assaulted by the Deep, but she decided to come back to the Seven. She didn't report him, and she did not quit. And we talked a lot about that decision last episode, so if you haven't listened to that yet, Please check that out. And then Homelander at the very end proved himself to be a bad boy after all. And he took down the plane of the mayor of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I hear in my head, I used to love the movie Soap Dish. And I will say that it has some problems. But like there's a part where they're yelling, the mayor of Providence. So anytime anybody yells the mayor of something. <laughs> mayor of anywhere. Exactly. The mayor of Baltimore. And if you get that reference, if you're one of like the two people in the world that get that reference, um, let me know. Or if your brain works like mine. So is there anything I'm forgetting about? No, I think that's a, yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah. So, okay. And so I'm curious to hear, because I think in your predictions, did you think that Translucent was dead? I thought he was dead. I thought he was full on dead already. So yeah, Yeah. like, you know, two minutes into it, I was like, oh my God, he's still alive. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm surprised that he couldn't bust out of the trunk. Okay. Sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm excited to talk about it because this episode, like if he wasn't dead before... (laughs) He's sure dead now. Um, All right. But before we get there, let's talk about Huey, Cutie, and the news, which is updates. Yeah. This is where we talk about any updates as far as production or news on the new series. Rachel, did you find anything? Yeah. So apparently on February 12th, uh, Kripke, what's his name? Eric Kripke? Eric Kripke. Oh, gosh. Uh I just put a last name. Mr. Supernatural. (laughs) Yeah. He uh, tweeted about the finale of the upcoming season, and it says, all right, Toronto, let's do this. And then he added the hashtag season four finale. So I feel like they're getting they're getting close, like it's wrapping. So there's still no official announcement of when the new season is. But if they're wrapping, it's like, all right, things are things are moving and mm-hmm. moving into post. So that's exciting. And he also. um basically said that this will not be the show's last episode (gasps) uh not sure if there was any doubt there but i guess you know Mm. you never know the way especially streaming services they could cancel it you know the drop Mm -hmm. of the hat so but he said i'm here to prep and direct the season four finale no not the series finale there will be more so that is exciting to know that at least they're planning on a season five (laughs) yay that's awesome or at least a christmas special you know, maybe we'll oh my- we'll get that. <laughs> Wouldn't oh that gosh. be fun? <laughs> yes. Wait, is there a Halloween special? No. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. They got to make oh. that happen. Come on. <laughs> I know. Come on. I'm imagining like the Cheddar's Ghoul log with just like them wandering through every once in a while and like blowing yeah. some shit well up. and maybe now That'd like awesome. didn't guardians of the galaxy do like a christmas special they so, like did. maybe now they have an excuse to like dip into that because otherwise it's usually i'm like thinking of other superheroes like star wars has a christmas special mm-hmm. uh, come on Kiss saved christmas at some point <laughs> of course they did <laughs> those are my christmas two references. Of- oh it's always sunny has a, a christmas special have you seen no, it I'm- 
I I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's the one where Frank comes out of the couch, um, all sweaty and gross. It's it's hilarious. It's it's yeah, very irreverent. <laughs> they like throw rocks at trains or something. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so hey, the precedent is there. Maybe mm-hmm. um old Matt Shackman will come back for for a Christmas special. But I would I would rather have season five than a Christmas special if I had to choose between the True. two. True. Yeah, yeah. Now a Halloween special, I don't know. That would be a tough call. All right. Well, let's move into our first like meat of the episode category bad boys so who are our bad guys in this episode and i'm curious to hear about who i kind of look at as the bad guys you know but i'm not sure if we will agree on that Mm. you know because like we said in our last episode there's so much nuance to this show you know yeah so the first person I put on our list is Madeline Stilwell, who is a really high executive in Vought. She is a single mom. She's pumping at work. She is having trouble nursing. And I just put in my notes, been there because it's fucking hard, especially uh, when you got to do it at work. Uh, but I also had that little like shirt thing that like the hands freeness. So I was like... It was, nice. it was a little tra- traumatic trip down memory lane because, man, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> we're all ready to put that thing away when that time, when the nursing time is over. But yes, yeah, so what do you think about Madeline so far? Madeline, well, number one, I was thrilled to see that because we, I mean, I didn't know much about her. So I was thrilled mm-hmm. to be like, oh, she's a mom. Oh, mm-hmm. she's pumping. Like, all right. Yes. Like she, of course, obviously she can be pumping at work and still be a bad bitch. So that was mm-hmm. cool to see. Um, I do think she's a bad guy, but I kind of like her. And I think, okay, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but uh, she's played by Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> uh-huh, who is amazing. So- we love her. Allie with an eye. Oh and God, karate kid. I know. <laughs> Baby so yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I just, I have a hard time hating her. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I love that she's kind of playing against type per se I haven't mm-hmm. seen everything that she's done I know she's done a lot but as far as I, I like my image of her this is sort of playing against type and that's really fun um mm-hmm. I do think she's bad but she's so like smooth about it and confident about it and mm-hmm. so I still like her and yeah I mean I, the bad part I think like we see her blackmail the senator with um doppelganger and mm-hmm. that was really fun I'm, I think I'm gonna have a <laughs> lot of fun like seeing all these new characters and superheroes mm-hmm. Um, so the, yeah, that's not very nice because basically, I mean, there's some, there's some, uh, sticky, uh, situations there and I'm not sure if he, that Senator really consented to that situation. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, lots of problems yeah. there, you know? Um, so, yeah. And I think I, I agree. I do like her seeing her like kind of play against type because she does feel like the babysitter, like she's in charge, you know, she's, she may be a little harried, but she's going to get shit done, but she's working for the enemy, you know? And I yeah. think that's ultimately what makes her a villain. Although she is a very likable villain and it's really hard not to relate to her, especially when she starts leaking, you know? And just but- like, doesn't react. She's just like, thank you. Like, she's just so like, <laughs> calm and collected and knows exactly what she's doing mm-hmm. which is like just I don't know it's just very awesome to see and also like very similar to um I'm sure another one of our bad guys which would be Homelander 
Yes. Yes. And so that's like her relationship with Homelander is so interesting. And we start to see the seeds of that in this episode. Like he, you think that he's staring right at his own face, which Mm -hmm. from what we know about Homelander, like that makes sense. Um, But he's using his x-ray vision to just like creep on her and watch her while she's nursing. But he's got this like weird kind of obsession slash attraction with her. And I think we also start to see a little bit of his insecurity in this episode, you know, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That relationship, I'm excited to see how that develops because he is, he is not okay with her (laughs) being in control of the situation, but like why? Yeah. There's like some weird sexual tension there, Mm. but also just maybe that's just like some confused interpersonal like power dynamic struggle there that he's not too happy with so yeah I'm excited to see where exactly that goes (laughs) yeah I think it's interesting too because she knows exactly how to work him you know like she's not gonna bring him in and yell at him about taking that plane down which I also like I've seen this episode twice before and I didn't realize that or it's the first time I really, I think, noticed that she didn't ask him to take the plane down. Like, yeah, he did I just it on assumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I assumed like when it happened that, yes, she asked him to do it because of what he knew and what um, he was saying he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And so that was, yeah, the fact that he was just spying, being a creep, and then mm-hmm. made this gigantic decision to just down a plane. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. And like potentially screw up a whole bunch of her larger plans that are going to benefit her too. I think that kind of shows he's a little bit, he's a little bit of a loose cannon, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But also like, what else does he have to hide? Like, why, why was he so concerned that he didn't dare tell her and just took it down? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to see, like, because she doesn't feel afraid of him at all. Although, like, he could easily kill her. Um, Mm -hmm. But she just knows how to get him on her side. She knows how to use her, her, she knows what he wants, which is essentially kind of like a mothering kind of a mothering figure. You know, like there's a there's a line in The Crown when one of the prime ministers is telling her, like, all men just want a dressing down from nanny, you know, and she just kind of yeah. like, I know it's a little gross, but like that's <laughs> that's what she's she's kind of playing into that, you know. But then we see the deep like taken down a couple of pegs because he walks in and he is immediately terrified. And that's when I think we see this other cold side of of Homelander of like he he's terrifying. Yeah. Well, and he knows he can get away with it with like mm-hmm. people un- under him. Like he, you know, like if you have power stripped away from you, you know, looking upwards when you look down, it's like you're going to take it out on those, you know, quote unquote beneath you. And like mm. very clearly that's what's happening here. Like he can't get away with that with Madeline. So he's going to take out that frustration or those weird feelings that he has <laughs> towards her and, you know, the corporation, he's going to just take those out on people that he know can't really, can't really backtalk him or do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to try to put, give himself some kind of feeling of power. And it's mm. interesting to see him do that with the deep, because then he goes to talk to Annika. I believe yeah. it's Annika. Yeah. And he like 
he doesn't care about having power over her because he already knows. Like he just dismisses her. Like I, I didn't notice that he doesn't say happy birthday to her. She's got <laughs> balloons and like cards all over, and like what a dick. Like doesn't even say happy birthday to her. <laughs> he is a dick, especially for somebody who prides himself on like like if she were a civilian in the street and she had a birthday balloon, he probably would, you know. But mm-hmm. he knows she can't do anything to him, and so he, he like he says, "I'm Homelander. I can do whatever the fuck I want." Yeah. Which- is a simple, essentially like his catchphrase. <laughs> but he can't. See, that's the thing at some level. Like he can't do whatever the fuck he wants. So, mm-hmm. well, and so Anthony Starr has talked about in some ep- some interviews. Anthony Starr is the one who plays Homelander, who I have this. He's just so cute. Um, but he has talked about how Homelander is actually the weakest of the seven. Like physically, he is the strongest, but like, he is just a, a fragile little baby emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, we start to see the seeds of that. And that's, it's a really interesting trajectory that's, that's going to go forward. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, so we also have Translucent who is not dead after all. And he, I really like him in this episode. I like, I love the way this episode plays out, but I wish we got a little bit more of him because I think he's just such a schmuck. You know, that, but like a funny schmuck, you know, and he also like, I think it's really interesting when he talks about like his superpower isn't invisibility, it's reading people and he like dead on reads Huey, you know? Yeah, I thought that was really interesting too. And it does make sense because this is a person who (laughs) creeps up on people all the time and Mm -hmm. like he is a talented observer. Like he has probably spent so much time like he said, just hanging out in rooms, not making a sound, being completely invisible and like observing people when they don't know that they're being watched. And so mm-hmm. that's where he, like he's really getting to see not only like his colleagues, but just anybody. And so he can probably at this point, like just like any skill, it's probably been honed over a long period of time of him just being a weirdo. And yeah, he's able to recognize and see those traits in somebody really quickly which clearly he does with Huey gets just cuts right through it and does not he's not intimidated by him at all (laughs) no not at all but I think that backfires (laughs) pun intended Uh, (laughs) sorry which we'll we're going to talk about that in shock and awe because man this episode ends but it's that like reading people that I think is what really kind of pushes Huey over the edge because he's telling Huey these things that are very true about him, but that he doesn't want to be true anymore. And so it's like when he finally hears somebody say it out loud and he's like confronted with the truth of this weakness that he's been, he feels like he's trapped by, like that's when he decides to take action, you know, which I think yeah. is really interesting. I mean, there's a hubris so far with mm-hmm. like, like all of these superheroes and it's like they they do like have some sort of entitlement that they can get away with anything and it's like you can only you know you're gonna say the wrong thing to somebody like doesn't mean what you're saying is wrong <laughs> like he's not saying anything that's not necessarily true mm-hmm. i mean people don't want to hear that people don't want to exactly. hear that shit <laughs> mm-hmm. and he you know he pushed it too far <laughs> he did and then huey pushed it too far mm-hmm. too, well, and he blew yeah. up <laughs> Yeah, he is really interested. Like, I I just wish we got a little more of him. But it's a great way to kick off the season, too, you know? Um, Because you said in the last episode, you're like, I can't believe Translucent's dead in the first episode. Like, 
I was like, he's not really dead, is he? Did they really just kill him? Like, when I was remembering this, I was remembering it happening further in the season. Because, man, like, he's one of the seven. He's, like, one of the most famous people on the planet. Of course, luckily, he's also invisible. It also makes it, like, I'm glad it didn't. Like, I'm glad they went into a little bit about, like, how hard it was to kill them. And talking a little bit just about, like, you know, there's only a handful of superheroes that have been killed because, obviously, they're superheroes so you got to find your find your way in and you know figure (laughs) Mm -hmm. out like how to do that and so that actually you know yeah it shouldn't be that easy as to just Mm. like shock shock a superhero and now it's dead so exactly yeah 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 Yeah, it was and to see Huey rig everything up too I think like that demonstrates like his not superpower, but his abilities, his regular human abilities, you know. Mm-hmm. Although it is pretty super. Like, I wouldn't be able to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, before we, because we've we've kind of mentioned a couple of people I want to talk about in our next category. But before we move on, I just want to mention Ashley. And I'm curious to hear what you think about Ashley before I say I, anything. I mean, I think she's great at her job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, this is... Mm. Like, she is a PR person. She is a manager of people to, like, the utmost. She's a handler, basically. Mm -hmm. And, like, she is, she knows exactly what she's doing. And, yeah, you know, what she's saying, she doesn't always believe that. So, yeah, like, Mm -hmm. seeing that crack for a second was, like, I don't know, it was kind of, kind of awesome oh <laughs> I don't, yeah I mean I don't like I don't necessarily like her but mm. I adm- I admire her ability to just like I don't know I would just have such a hard time being that kind of person all the time like just spouting complete bullshit that you know is not true mm-hmm. but just saying it to just keep these people keep things moving and keep these superheroes in line and just massaging their egos and like oh gosh kind of slimy oh yeah yeah but I love her like I feel like this show really thrives on love to hate characters you know yeah. like Homelander and like Ashley she's one of my favorites because she's just so like wishy-washy and like you never know what she's gonna get like she because she's just everybody's punching bag you know yeah and I think like we see like, you never know what she actually thinks. It's she's mad at Starlight because she knows she's probably going to get blamed for this in some way or she's going to be the yeah. one that has to deal with it. And then she is excited for Starlight. She Like, she just flip-flops all over the place, but she's so funny and, like, exciting. Like, I just love her as much as I hate her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But also, like, if I was her boss, I'd be like, amazing, excellent valuation, exceeds expectations. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like she does a great job, but I wonder how much like she works so hard and does such a good job because she never gets any praise and just like she's constantly hungry for it because Madeline's mm. just like get out, you know, could like flick her off the bottom of her shoe. <laughs> yeah. That's no good. Yeah. Well, we're going to see a lot of Ashley um, coming up. So, yay. All right. Well, speaking of, um, I guess, a ginger that we love. Um, <laughs> so last week we talked about uh, the the category we called good for her. And as much as I love that, um, I felt like maybe we should change it to Spice Girls. Uh, we haven't gotten to that. We're going to get to it in a couple of episodes. It might even be the next episode. Um, but so 
the Spice Girls are our good guys. Who do we find empowering? Who are we rooting for? Doesn't have to be girls, although they are the best. Um, and so we've already talked about him. Well, actually, let's go into Starlight because we were just talking about um, Ashley. Yeah. Um, and so the reason that Ashley gets so angry at Starlight is because Starlight pissed off about having to team up with the deep and finding out essentially that her she's not going to be doing any saving anymore um she is walking by a girl who is about to get attacked in an alley she's in her street clothes or her her regular identity undercover identity that's the word um and she saves the girl which is great but mm-hmm. she gets recorded and the girl is not on camera so she gets in trouble with ashley Ashley, and she thinks she's going to get fired. And, you know, I I was like, they're not going to take two of them out in the second episode. We'll see. Okay. So so what do you think of Starlight in this episode? I, I mean, this is a big, like, star, you know, she's new to this job. And so we see her, like, it's interesting watching her kind of just be in this space and, like, learn the ropes of this job and mm-hmm. just continue to be disappointed. But that it's, like, not exactly what she thought it would be yeah the team ups Mm -hmm. were you know of course she doesn't want to do that for multiple reasons she Mm -hmm. definitely doesn't want to team up with the deep but she does and it was really great seeing her have that moment to stand up to the deep and be like this is like this is done like whatever you know you have no power over me like whatever like power you had for that brief moment like is done like, mm-hmm. don't don't think that this is going to continue in any way, shape or form. So it was nice seeing her basically not waste any time there and not let it develop further. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And saving the girl, you know, I feel it was great seeing that. And it was interesting because it really kind of revealed this sort of I, I just called it conditional heroism where you know, she's a superhero, but only allowed to be a hero under like certain circumstances, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But and obviously, she's not very happy about that as somebody who, you know, kind of wants to be an actual hero, mm-hmm. not just a, you know, a poster hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm, and yeah, I can't wait to see kind of how she reconciles that within herself. But I thought, I mean, she was strong and proves that she really does want to be a real hero, not just a celebrity hero. Right. And she's not in it for the cameras or for the glory like all of the rest of them are. Um, I don't know if I say that about Queen Maeve yet. It's kind of hard to get a read on Maeve just yet. Um, But like... The deep does this big like dive off of the thing, you know, and then the cameras show up and like she could care less about being on camera. Like she just wants to help people and to find out that like it wasn't even really a real crime. Like I'm sure it was, yeah, but like I, they didn't need them to save them, you know. So that was like a little confusing. So they because they talk about they have like these like crime analytics and they've analyzed and like basically i thought it was like they're predicting that something's happening or is it staged that something's happening i don't think it's necessarily staged although it was a coincidence that it was homelander dolls that we saw in it did you catch the little <laughs> oh, homelander yeah. doll in the commercial yeah. yeah like i think there are crimes that they like know are happening and they're like oh this would be a good crime for them to solve you know as opposed mm. to just going and 
picking up the bad guys, like doing the job of law enforcement. You know, yeah. they are looking for these ways to stage. I don't necessarily think it's staged. Like, I do gotcha. think they are real criminals, although I wouldn't put anything past Vought. So. Interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting when she has this um, this conversation with Ashley. She's like, aren't I innocent until proven guilty? Because Ashley is talking about and Ashley does have a good point here. Like when you get higher up the ladder, you're opening yourself up to a lot of risk and litigation. Mm -hmm. And I could imagine that like that is something that they have to pay attention to. Like they have to know for sure what they're doing because you can't just get grace when you used your superpowers to kill somebody, you know? Totally. Mm -hmm. Unless you're A-Train who just accidentally <laughs> ran through somebody, you know? So the it's fears. just like, it's this weird dichotomy of like, they have to be so risk averse and Starlight might get fired for this thing, but A-Train like fucking ran through a girl and they're like bending over backwards to cover up for it. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to Frenchie. So we meet a new boy and I fucking love him. And so what do you think about Frenchie? Oh my goodness. He is a little cutie pie. <laughs> He's so cute. Yes, so yes. I love him. First impressions, hottie. And mm -hmm. the accent, like between his accent and Butcher's accent, it's like, all right, I can I can get down with this. Um, he's got that like hot kind of like, you know, gritty, dirty sort of, you know, I'm sure he smells awful, but like I, I probably wouldn't even care. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also just like seems to, yeah, be incredibly intelligent and has just like a lot of really dangerous but important and resourceful skills that mm -hmm. could be you know he seems like a good guy to know for sure and like there's no um there's no mystery as to why the butcher you know came to him because yeah. clearly he can help and ultimately yeah his skills it's him who figures out how to kill translucent so yeah it's definitely a good guy to come and yeah, I could, I could, I could have more of him. <laughs> oh yeah, I love Frenchie, and I will say too, Corey is um, particularly like he does not like subtitles at all. Like it's it really distracts him. Mm -hmm. He turned the subtitles on for Huey because he was like, or for Frenchie, he's like, I can't understand what he's saying. And that's when I knew I had him that he was into the show because he wasn't just gonna gloss over. But yeah, I I love Frenchie. He's so sweet and so funny, but like he knows. He knows what to do. Like, he's kind of scary, too. I love when he just, like, is offering him this little candy flip. And then he's like, no, no, no. I don't want to, like, be fucked up at a time like this. And he just pops it in his mouth and then goes <laughs> over to, like, all these da dangerous weapons and chemicals. <laughs> like, oh, just, so yeah, good. just completely at home with, like, these incredibly dangerous, like, tools and drugs and weapons. And, I mean, just casually, you know, just like, yeah, I'll help you murder this superhero. Like, no big deal. But also mm -hmm. just retaining that charm. So not an easy thing to do. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so, I love him. But he wouldn't be able to do that if not for Huey, who maybe that can transition us in. Although there is something, I do want to talk a little bit more about Frenchie when we get to themes. But sure. Huey is the one, like the plan wouldn't have worked without Huey's cover and knowing that, well, first that you can electrocute um, 
translucent to begin with. So this is this is a big episode for Huey. I think he yeah. he comes a long way. And he is really uncomfortable with Butcher's plans. That's another thing about Frenchie, too, is like there's some bad blood between the two of them. Frenchie does not want to work with him. Butcher essentially has to like blackmail him, which he just clearly does. He's like, well, I've seen your face now. So, you know, you're fucked. You've got to destroy your entire life and blow up your home to help me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's funny. He's one of those people who like undersells himself but is clearly has a lot of talents to pull from, right? Who like has this image of himself as just, you know, a regular untalented, like I can't, oh, I could never do that. I could never do that or whatever. Kind of this, I don't know, self-deprecating attitude about him. But here we clearly see, you know, like Frenchie's like, oh, are you in, what does he say? Like tech and intelligence or something. And he's like, no, I'm more like sales and installation. And it's like, mm. but it's, it's kind of the same thing. And so mm -hmm. we see him like starting again, demonstrating that he does have these useful skills. He just doesn't see them like that. And so that's really interesting. But these people around him are starting, you know, Frenchie's like points it out and it does buy them a significant amount of time until, you know, something else doesn't really work out like they planned. Mm -hmm. But it and that's something that probably Butcher and Frenchie would not have been able to do. They would have been on a much quicker, you know, time clock mm -hmm. and they probably would have been discovered a lot sooner. Yeah. Yeah. The second episode is where it ends, if not for Huey, I think, you know. Um, but yeah, just to see him kind of go through this trajectory, which is something I want to talk more about in themes. Um but yeah, I think he he definitely comes out of this episode, I think, a changed man. Like, this is a big turning point for him. And yeah, there's no going there's no going back after. Oh, no. <laughs> and I think part of it is seeing what Butcher and Frenchie are willing to do. And one, like, they seem fun. They seem cool. Like, yeah, it's a little dangerous, but at least it's less it's more exciting than like sitting at home and watching. Um, gosh, what's the show that he's always watching? It's like some old Columbo or something um with his dad and eating pizza pockets like this is this is exciting and if they are willing to blow up their entire lives then like maybe it's something I can do too you know mm -hmm. and we get one more new character or one more significant new character uh with Susan Rayner who is she's not in it for very long but she is the deputy director of the CIA and she has a a very complicated history with Butcher although it sounds like she got some edible arrangements out of it which <laughs> yeah. arrangements are pretty nice i like them especially when they're the chocolate covered strawberries on them too so what do you think about Susan what's your first uh, first impressions of her well you know it's like we've all been there you know no matter if you're like the deputy director of the CIA or you know some other high ranking you know federal official sometimes you know you just meet a guy at a bar that's like really cute and it's just so, like I think that that's very understandable and of course it's interesting to have somebody in intelligence be messing around with somebody who clearly is uh not a law-abiding citizen mm -hmm. so you know it's it's a lot to ask it's probably a lot for her to have to like obey the rules all the time and mm -hmm. she just had to act out so like I feel for her <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, Butcher's pretty hot. It's that accent. Go, the accent goes a long way, you know? Um, oh, yeah. But she is, we also get just a tiny hint of, like, 
butchers may be past working with the CIA because they do have a somewhat professional relationship. But we also know that butcher is not somebody anybody wants to work with, which can maybe transition us into our next category, which is good versus evil. So this is when we talk about a lot of the themes, the meat, the big the big topics that I keep wanting to talk about. So let's just dive in. So a common theme is that nobody wants to work with Butcher, despite <laughs> his charming accent, despite him calling them cunts all the time. Nobody wants to work with Butcher. And you and you have a cute little nickname for him, which I, I was yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe we should, we should just like, you know, maybe he's more like Butcher Bridge Burner. Because <laughs> like clearly he uses people to a certain extent to get what he wants from them and mm. it sounds like does not always leave on good terms <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and like there's a moment when when they say philadelphia i think which is like code for what we find out is frenchy essentially blowing up his house so that they have a a an explosion that will distract homelander and allow them to escape and he's like, do you know, Frenchie's telling him, do you know what I'm giving up for this? Which is essentially like his home, probably yeah. everything he owns, because they've got like minutes to do this. He's like, just put it on the tab. And then he just like waltzes out of the room, you know? Yeah, but like what tab? Because like when he shows up the first time, he's like, oh, you better have my money. I can't remember mm-hmm. how much, but like, like he already owes him money. So like, right. It's just... I guess, you know, he's just got some sort of charm, obviously. I mean, you can see it that even though people don't necessarily like him, he owes them money. He's burned them in the past. They somehow find themselves helping him again. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think he has this really interesting, it's similar to Translucent saying his real power is reading people. Like, I feel like Butcher has a really strange sense of how to empower people you know because he just has such a single-minded focus on getting these soups that he doesn't care what happens to his life what happens to anybody else's life it's like his number one priority is just getting killing soups or getting as many soups or taking down thought and that's a an understandable thing. And I think he knows how to get Huey on his side to do that, you know. And the more we find out about Frenchie, like, he knows how to empower Frenchie and want him to, like, he appeals to the good in them to do yeah. these bad things, you know. Yeah, like, he's very manipulative. Mm-hmm. And, like, t- you know, to be determined, like, to what extent is that a negative thing? But I do think we see a peak of it being super... Like, he knows what he's doing to some extent. Like, he's, yeah, he's acting like everything's cool. Just help me out. Like, it's fine. Don't you want to live mm. your life? Like, you know, he's has, like, it's coming off kind of casually. But then there's a moment when he's in the hall after he leaves. Like, the bullet thing doesn't work. And he has to leave for a second. He kind of takes a moment and is like, shit. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, has a moment where it's like he doesn't really know what he's going to do. And so you kind of see. But that's something that he's not presenting to the people around him he's acting like he's not flustered or bothered and i think that it's that sort of attitude that people 
just you know can't say no to you can't say no to that scruffy little face <laughs> i know and he's cool and you know he's got a swagger to him like i'm struck by the moment when huey's on the phone with his dad and he just walks in with this giant gun and like walks yeah. into the other room it's just <laughs> such a fun little moment that just shows you so much about who this character is but yeah he's law he's a uh, he's burned a lot of bridges in his time and you know there's only so much an edible arrangement can do yeah well at some point it's gonna be like one step too far and it's you know how far he's pushing those with certain people Mm -hmm. you know that might come to bite him harder than he would have anticipated in the future so yeah and it's interesting like I wonder how much he's pushed before like how many people now just won't work with him because um Susan at one point she's like yeah we can't touch them now because of everything you did and it's just it makes me really curious about his history you know like I want to dig into the CIA files on on Mr. Billy Butcher cuz yes he's interesting um well okay so the opposite of Butcher is Huey and we've talked about Huey quite a bit but there are a couple of other things that I, I want to talk about because we mentioned Translucent and Huey and this moment where Translucent is really kind of reading him and saying, you are not special. You are not the hero of this story. I'm me and you're you. And that's why mm-hmm. I'm always going to win. And that's what I think really pushes Huey over when he realizes, no, I do have power, like literally in my hand. This might be a huge mistake, but I'm tired of taking shit from people like you. I'm tired of people like you making me feel like I'm worthless. And that's when he pushes, pulls the trigger or releases the detonator. Yeah. it, And it's interesting because like his girlfriend was basically telling him the same things. Mm-hmm. Like you got to do something else. You got to stand up for yourself. Like you got to do these things. Ask for a raise. Like you deserve better. Like you're mm-hmm. capable of more. And so clearly this is something he's been struggling with for a while, but here in this moment, you know, hearing it from somebody who is supposedly, you know, this incredible superhero, one of the seven most famous superheroes in the world. Yeah. Just telling him like, I mean, he says, you know, there's a few things he says, he says like, go back to your life. Like you can go back to your life now. Like, it's okay. Like go back to it. And like, you're a good boy. You're a sensitive boy. And, you know, you can see it on Huey's face, like, I don't want to go back to my life. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to be just a good, sensitive boy. And you can see him kind of reckoning with that. And this is nothing that he hasn't heard before. But hearing it from somebody like that presented in that way, when he's, you know, Huey's holding the power in this situation, Mm -hmm. this, you know, Translucent's literally sitting naked on the floor of a cage telling him that like you are average you will Mm. never be like you will never be extraordinary like me (laughs) and like that's like I get it like that's that's messed up and I wouldn't like to hear that either not like you know I keep naked superheroes in cages but (laughs) if you're in that situation like that would be a weird situation to hear that and this have this superhero like not even he doesn't even like he's not even bothered like yeah I'll right. sit here for a while like you're sees Huey as not a threat mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then the moment when it shifts and he realizes that they do have power and he's like, no, please don't kill me. What do you want? Do you want money? It's really fun to see him crumble. And then once he gets out of the cage, obviously that flips back because he really just doesn't think Huey's going to do anything. No, he he thinks he knows who he is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what bothers Huey is that that's how he's presenting himself. That's all that he see. Like that's all Translucent is seeing from him. and. So, okay, I think this, the poster with the baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he keeps, like, staring at. It says, like, keep your hands clean. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I don't know how you read it, but what I kind of took that as is, like, it seems like Huey's life, he's always played it safe. Mm-hmm. He's always followed the rules. He's been a good guy to, you know, certain extent or whatever and just existed a normal average life mm-hmm. but he's never stepped out of that box mm-hmm. and is finally like no I don't want to keep my hands clean <laughs> right <laughs> well in translucent says like you're the one that's in a cage which I think is really interesting now he's saying it about a different not necessarily about him being trapped in this life but like he's he's trapped by his fear you know yeah yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. got to get a little dirty. And if you can't get dirty, I mean, with Frenchie and Butcher, like, I mean, <laughs> exactly. this is your moment. Like, I don't know who else you're going to get dirtier with. Exactly. So, like, now or you never. At least have partners in crime. Yeah, I kind of take that sign as like, yeah, my hands might be clean, but like, I've still got spaghetti all over me. You know, like, what does getting my, keeping my hands clean and doing all of the right things and checking off the boxes, like, like, if he goes back to his life now, like, his life is gone because the story worked out is destroyed and Robin is gone and he's not happy. Like, he doesn't want that life. So his hands might be clean, but everything else is a disaster. So, like, what has keeping his hands clean done for him? Totally. You know? Well, and then he would know that he, I don't know if you want to call this an opportunity, but like he, (laughs) like, could you live with just walking away from this opportunity to actually do something to actually exactly like make that change to make a stand for, you know, these people that you clearly loved and meant so much to you? Like, are you not going to fight for them? Like, that's also like a terrifying thought to just go back and live that life. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, you regret it it for the rest of your life, you know? Mm -hmm. Also, I think he's seen with, like, I feel like before the thing with A-Train happened, he did really, like, kind of believe a lot of the superhero hype, you know? Like, maybe not all of it, but, like, he's seen that they will just blatantly lie and that they will pay pay anybody off. So, like, there's got to be part of him that's like, no, he's not going to be the hero that saved Translucent. They're going to kill all three of them and just cover the whole thing up. So, like... He really doesn't have any other options either, yeah. you know? Like no, he has. He's, he's been disillusioned, die. I think. Like, I don't know what can disillusion you more than, like, somebody running through your girlfriend and then just being like, sorry. Oops. I know. <laughs> Whoops. Yep. Here's here's some money. Here's um, $48,000. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's this interesting thing that's kind of an over, overarching thing, theme of the series. So we don't necessarily have to dive too much into it. But it's like regular people or average versus extraordinary is the way you put it in the notes which I really like and when I first started I I watched the first episode and I thought they all had superpowers 
Mm. And I was like, oh, what's soup? What's Huey's superpower? And I looked it up on, on Wiki Fandom and I was like, oh, he's got tech abilities. And I was like, oh, that's a cool super superpower. And it wasn't for, but I think the show is so great at exploring what unexpected super things about people are like unexpected greatness, you know? Oh, totally. Although it would be cool if he was like Johnny Mnemonic and was like <laughs> in the internet uh, and could like move his hands and like hack into computers and stuff like that would be cool. <laughs> that would be very cool. Yeah. Hey, maybe. Uh, season maybe five. Season four. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, and if Keanu Reeves stops by, you know, even better. Oh my gosh. Ooh, I wonder what superpower he would have. That's a conversation for another day. Um, But along those lines, another thing I wanted to talk about is just... As part of what made me love Frenchie so much is that talking about their first kill and what it's like to actually kill somebody. And like Frenchie seems like this hard person. Like, yeah, he's got this French accent. He's got like a little, you know, like voluptuousness to him. But like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's quite the right word, but like, there's just something so like seductive and like a little yeah bit he's got like about... a weird like kind of you know european sensuality to him mm-hmm. for sensuality sure. i think that's a better word yeah than squishiness is what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs> but he's talking about like like i thought he was going to be describing this woman and he's like there are some things that you see and you never forget and i was thinking it was just like a woman that like the woman with a red dress in the matrix you yeah. know and no, it's the first one, first person he ever killed. And just talking, like he says, I carry them all with me. They're like scars, which I just, I loved. It made me love him so much. Well, and I think it like conveyed to Huey that like he doesn't necessarily, yes, he does these things, but it doesn't mean he takes it lightly and doesn't have to, you know, deal with the consequences of doing that. Like it's mm. not. He he doesn't necessarily enjoy it or relish in it or, you know, feel nothing about it. Like it does affect him. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's a big like reveal for him as a character Mm -hmm. that like, yeah, they're like, it's scars. They're there forever. Like I'm never going to like forget about that or be able to pretend it didn't happen. Like I did it. And Yeah. yeah, it's always there. But he doesn't become a monster, you know, like yeah. Frenchie still has humanity. So it's not like a, a like what it's not like a black and white switch that you just flip and you kill somebody and you're just a completely different person. Yeah. And also, like, he's already got a giant scar on his life because of Robin, too. So, you know, this is, you know, I could tell myself this is protecting somebody else from suffering the same fate, too. So there's there's an element of of goodness. But. Just love, just love Frenchie so much. Um, well, let's shift gears just a little bit. Although still talking about Huey, I thought there was a really interesting comparison between Huey and um, Annie or Starlight. I, I kind of flip back and forth between Annie and Starlight. So I love the name Annie. Um, but that when uh, Huey is punching the wall and it's kind of, and his knuckles immediately start bleeding and yeah. Annie punching through the wall in the last episode and it's something I was going to bring up I think when we were talking about translucent like it's so interesting to see Huey go through this like crisis of confidence and like how like for a male character to do this because I feel like this is a, a road we see lots of female characters go down but Huey is going through this too and he's not becoming an incel kind of character which I love like he seems to be like 
honestly grappling with it as a good person, like fundamentally good, you know? Yeah. And he's being, you know, self-reflective and thinking about how he fits into this whole narrative and not necessarily just letting himself be just completely eaten away by like anger or blaming mm -hmm. it on other people and like acting out those, you know, those ways, which I, you know, perfectly reasonable response. And like everybody deals with grief and situations like these different ways. And like anger is a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's angry, but he's, I don't know, channeling it in an interesting way. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's, I guess healthy is the right word, but I think it is because he's looking at himself and the whole situation and how he is going to be able to move forward feeling good about what he's doing and realizing that like I am not going to feel good just going home or taking that check like I can't do that mm -hmm. and so figuring out what he can do mm -hmm. yeah and it really empowering himself and taking the opportunity to 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 do something you know um and thinking about Homelander and Annie, I was thinking like they're both in a very similar kind of position. Like they both feel like Vought is using them and that they're they're not being listened to. And like Annie with going on this kind of fake crime team up thing. Mm -hmm. And then Homelander, uh, he's trying to like talk to Madeline and like kind of let his voice be known and just kind of take some kind of power over his destiny or whatever i feel like that's a little vague but yeah no but it's she, funny. like he like he mentions like i'm capable of more and i mm -hmm. think you see this it was interesting to me to kind of see this idea of like you know fame versus power especially when looking at it like from the aspect of like a celebrity or like mm -hmm. a you know, a commodity, which is basically what they are, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're investments yeah. by this company and they're celebrities, but they don't have power necessarily. They're just super famous. And like where that line is, you know, Madeline is basically like, no, you're good. Just like go out and shake hands and kiss babies. Like that's what you're good at. And, you know, Homelander clearly wants to be a little bit more involved in that and not letting him and feeling used and the deep talks about it too just how like oh i have to do this like fancy dive and like show my biceps and uh -huh. i but it did i thought it was interesting that so far it's just men male characters that are complaining about being used mm -hmm. um even though like clearly all of them are to some extent and starlight included but not complaining about it in that way because, well, dare I say, women are a little bit more used to that. But that's, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> we also tend to have more um, consequences when we do complain about stuff like that. And they're like, oh, well, fine. We'll find somebody who won't. Um, I was also impressed by the Deep's um, knowledge of different bodies of water, too. <laughs> It was like, I know. It was like, I guess whenever, like, if you get sent to them all the time, he probably <laughs> he's familiar like, he's like with a them. Jenny. Yeah, he and we see a little bit of his humor too. Um, like when he's talking, about, hey, did you see that sweet ass dive? Like, it just it really makes me want to watch Gossip Girl because I just I really like uh, Chase Crawford. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting note that, yeah, the, the ladies aren't really complaining. The ladies are doing everything they can, like Ashley included, to like toe the line, make sure everything looks good. And like even when Starlight is pissed or scared about it, she's still going along 
with the going with the flow, you know? Yeah. And it's like this image and the celebrity that they carry. It's like, where is their real power? Is it in the number of followers they have? Is it in like their reputation or is it in their strength? And if their strength leads them to do things like a train running through Robin, like is their strength actually a liability rather than their power because they're human beings and they're going to make mistakes and Vought will not allow for mistakes. So Yeah. No, it's interesting because it's like, I, you know, I think people encounter this in like real life jobs all the time. It's like there's situations where you kind of hit a ceiling mm -hmm. about where you can go. And it's like mm -hmm. these superheroes are the most famous of the most famous. And now what? Like, right. They're, mm -hmm. Like, is he, is Homelander going to get promoted to like CFO? Like, probably not. Right. You know, so it's, it's kind of that frustration of, yeah, feeling like you're capable of more, but you have nowhere else to go. Like, that's yeah. such a weird position to be in. And like, I know I've encountered that at, at you know, jobs before. And I'm sure a lot of people have. And it's really mm -hmm. kind of, yeah, you have to figure out what your next move is. And I don't know yeah. what these people's next move are going to be. Maybe right. not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, who, who do you want to be? You know, because like, Homelander's promotion, like he can't get promoted to like God, you know, yeah. that's, that's it. He can't get any stronger. Um, and it's like, it, I don't know, my boss at the, <laughs> at our company, he's always like, it's a lot harder to stay at the top than it is to get to the top, you know, cause once you're there, you, you gotta stay there in any slip. There are a million people waiting to take your place, you know? Yeah. Um, well, okay, I just want to mention a couple of things that we just see just in glimpses. So there's mention of putting soups in the military. And I love the uh, <laughs> the line, America runs on weapons is practically all we make anymore. It's like, it's just really, yep. really sharp little commentary that I love. There's also a little tease of a right wing agenda. We see um, a soup that I think... I think we're going to meet down the road. I'm not exactly sure who it is, but he says, look, the mall shooting, and this is just in passing by the news. He says, mm -hmm. the mall shooting was a tragedy. I'm just saying if more people were armed, I wouldn't have to save the day all the time. And just the show is just brilliant satire and I fucking love it. So, well, and it's interesting because it's like, I mean, we see this with the crimes. It's, you know, just because there's these superheroes flying around all over the place, like, crime you know crimes are gonna happen still exactly. like like a mall shooting is still gonna happen regardless of whether or not there's a local superhero yeah well and if the only crimes that they're willing to solve are crimes that they can completely control the surroundings of and the fallout of like mall shootings that's a, a really complicated situation with a lot of different angles people are going to be really quick to try to politicize it and like i could see that being something that they wouldn't want to touch but then like, are you actually saving anybody? Like, what is the point of having superheroes? Is it actually saving or the appearance of saving? Yeah. Is there like a superhero who's like, whose superpower is like accounting or like forensic accounting <laughs> or something? Because like, what about like white collar crimes? Does this mean yes. just like everybody transitions <laughs> to like, you know, financial like fraud cases or like, or like telephone hackers. marketing scams? <laughs> This is the Johnny Mnemonic thing. Yeah. What if there's somebody, a superpower where he can just send a whole bunch of like solicitous text messages that like just infect yeah. your phone? Yeah. Like um, where are those superheroes at? 
Yeah. Side note, I've probably told you this before, but every time we watch Ozark, every single episode, I would tell Corey, who is an accountant, like, no white collar crime. I can't live that life. <laughs> I know. I was like, before we got married, I was like, promise me, you will never embezzle. You'll never do any of that shit. Because I think super- Corey could be a, an accounting superhero. Like, he, he knows his shit. Get him in. Season four. Well, exactly. season five, they already wrapped. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, season five. <laughs> it's, it's thrilling. He also got mad when I said his job was essentially data entry, <laughs> which, which it's not, uh, just for the record, but. Um, but you had a couple of themes that I thought were really interesting, um, like the tiers of power. So tell me more about that, because I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, I just like I'm such a sucker for all these sort of like interpersonal dynamics and kind of mm-hmm. how like watching these develop, because I think there's just this really interesting undercurrent of like of just of power and like where we see that and how we see that represented and you know, of course, we've got like the giant corporation, like Madeline and all of that, we see that sort of power. And then, as we talked about earlier, like Homelander kind of exerting this power over the deep or, you know, poor little Annika on her birthday, like seeing that sort of power, like he does have power just at a different level. And then Mm -hmm. even, you know, how Huey is developing and kind of the way he's navigating his own power and taking you know control over his own agency and how he wants to feel powerful and what that means to him and then we also met some uh politicians in this one who were you know what's the word like I don't know bartering their power over Mm -hmm. the corporate power and so those kind of struggles which is you know obviously very real and so Mm -hmm. seeing those kind of two sources of power come you know headbutt each other and mm-hmm. yeah it's just all very I don't know seedy and interesting and just all interconnected and I'm yeah I'm excited to see how these things I don't know I'm expecting them to get uh very muddy and dirty <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah and it's interesting to see Queen Maeve like we really don't see her much in this episode but she is yeah. working with the senators and Madeline I think just kind of mentions like oh they'll do whatever she wants like that's her she's exerting that kind of power yeah over them too um yeah yeah the celebrity power mm-hmm. over the policy yeah there's just like so many nuanced presentations of that and like how one can have the upper hand in one moment but only for a second because no we're going to put you back in your place over here you know and mm-hmm. just how how all of these i don't know how all of these wheels are you know shifting and moving and interplaying with others and yeah yeah it's a giant spider web of evil power (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool and like not even necessarily the soups too like it it just what power is i think it's just so interesting in the show yeah i also love seeing so many high-ranking women like good or bad like we've got the deputy director of the cia she's a woman we have madeline who assent like she appears to be running vaught right now like we'll later find out it's it's a little more complicated but like she doesn't really seem to answer to anyone within the company. And it's just really nice to see so many women have authority like that Um, on both sides too, because, you know, women can be more than just uh, good or bad. 
Yes. Um, and okay, so this is another, this is one of the, the kind of maybe can transition us into shock and awe, but you put on the list script versus no script. And just this moment with the, with A-Train in the hospital is just so cringe. And I was like, oh my God, can you it's teach so me to awkward. outrun cancer? Oh my God. <laughs> Like this boy that his his dying wish is to have translucent visit him. He's like, well, maybe he can come by next week. And did you see the doctor? The doctor? "Mm, Yeah. I was like, no, no, he's not going to make it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's just like the black comedy in this show, too. It's just incredible. Um, And and it's just like it just it's so funny, like seeing. Yes, they like they get mad at Atran and like you got to give him a script. Like he can't like like <laughs> mm-hmm. he can't improv. Like he, that is not that is not his superpower. It is not improv. But mm-hmm. also just how um I mean you see Ashley and it's like clearly she's putting on an act to, to some extent. And then you see Madeline and Homelander who are just so careful with their words and their actions and mm-hmm. planning like, like a chessboard, just all of these moves. And, and then you see Butcher and Frenchie and <laughs> Huey who are just mm-hmm. reacting <laughs> and mm-hmm. oh, let's try this. And okay, let's put this fire out and just kind of just, navigating things in a completely different way and i just find that so humorous and just seeing how these two approaches to i mean life i guess Mm -hmm. in general and what's gonna happen when they like get closer yeah (laughs) and you know come more in contact with each other and it's like one you know one way isn't necessarily right each has its strengths and its weaknesses but that's been it's it's just really funny to kind of see those two approaches at play. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that that keep your hands clean poster. It's like we all have spaghetti on ourselves regardless of whether our hands are clean and some people are just better at cleaning their hands and hiding all of the spaghetti and other people just kind of let it hang out because what's it get you, you know? Yeah. Or like and you know, like Maeve says in the first episode like don't let him see you like that. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, all right, clean yourself up and get back out there. Like, don't, you know, don't let your mascara run. Uh-huh. Well, and so speaking of Annie, too, like, she saves someone. Like, this is, it's, like, about the best case scenario you could get for them. They should be so excited that she did this thing, and it's a problem for them, you know, because it's because she didn't go off the script, like, because they can't control it. It doesn't matter if she did something good or bad, you know. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so let's go to um <laughs> shock and awe, the biggest, uh, most exciting moments, biggest shocks. And I think it's hard to top the ass bomb. That's a, a hilarious deep- and brilliant. I- like mm-hmm. makes total sense. I didn't think about it, but that makes total sense. Like they just had to get to his gooey insides. Mm-hmm. Loved that. And yeah. I mean, I was shocked, like just the fact that he was alive in the first place, like shocked mm-hmm. me. So. <laughs> well, did you think that Huey was actually going to kill him? Or did you I, think he was going to walk out? I mean, I felt like he was going to kill him mm-hmm. just because it made sense in the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Chekhov's ass bomb, you know? <laughs> Yeah, like it, well, ass bomb, and because he escaped, play. like if he was still contained in the cage, I'm not sure that he would have. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was out 
and like you know just inches away from freedom Mm -hmm. it it put an added pressure on that it's like okay well he can't he can't just let him go now like he has Mm. to do something yeah yeah and and what he does and the perfect needle drop after that cherry bomb and then the the whole you know the title of the episode cherry like it's it's um starlight's first crime like she finds out like a lot of people when you lose your virginity it's not quite what you thought it was gonna be um yep you know it's it's huey's first kill it's a lot of a lot of really fun firsts and i just love that needle drop and things you can't things you can't come like you can't go back Mm-hmm. you know like okay you killed somebody like there's yeah. no backpedaling that and same thing like she has learned something starlight has learned something about this new position that she's in that she's not going to be able to forget or overlook anymore mm-hmm. so that that inform she can't back out of knowing that information so mm-hmm. yeah and i think another a big shock for me was the doppelganger thing we've already mentioned it but like <laughs> It's just really fun to see a new superhero because there, there's one, the new power, and then two, how they use it to totally fuck over somebody else or do the most depraved thing you could imagine. And so the the senator, the thing with the senator, just it's problematic, but also hilarious. And- well, and for a second, I thought that, like, I thought it was Madeline. I was like, oh my gosh, she has superpowers. And then I was like, wait, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, but- that was like, it worked on me. Sure. Yeah. Oh, man, Doppelganger is fun. I like him a lot. Yeah, but I mean, her superpower is she's pulling all these levers of power, you know? Yep. Behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, And I I told you off air, but I'm so glad that you are, are doing this with me because I, unless it's Linda Ronstadt or like Peter Cetera or Richard Marks, I'm not going to catch a needle drop. So I did catch Cherry Bomb. That was the only yes. one. But. So we had, yeah, we had Joan Jett, an incredible song to close it out. And then, yeah, The Damned, Neat, 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 also classic. And I just, yeah, the second that came on, I was like, yes, I, mm. I, I'm a sucker for a good needle drop. So, and, and I love how, it's funny, like I love Huey's shirts. Like uh-huh. this time, it, you know, it's like a Ramones shirt and like these punk shirts when like he's clearly like <laughs> for this thing from a punk, you know, mm-hmm. but I, you know, he kind of he, he got a little punkier in this episode, embraced the little more punky attitude. So these were very fitting, I thought. Yeah, I think the the music, too, it's so like there's a lot of really dark shit that happens on the show. It's very violent. Like there's a reason that we are talking about this on a horror network. Um, but the music, I think, is so like crucial in keeping the tone light, too. Totally. You know? Yeah, yeah, it just lets you in on like we're having fun here. Like yes, right. we're dealing with some you know incredibly serious you know having some incredibly serious conversations that have real world like counterparts that we can all relate things to, but like you know can still have yeah. a good song here to kind of lighten the mood and remind us that the world is absurd and exactly. so are these characters. <laughs> right. And what do you if you don't cry, you got to laugh, you know. Mhm. I was also, when they were talking about secret identities, okay, it was blowing my mind because this is one of those things where it's like, okay, so they're just out of costume and now nobody knows who they are. It's like the Clark Kent thing with like, the, mm-hmm. you know, the glasses, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I would never, like, who that can't be Superman, like that's Clark Kent. So I loved seeing 
you know, starlight and just normal street clothes. And it's like, oh, all of a sudden people are like, oh, that's her. Like I, starlight is Annie. Like I went to high school with her. Like I never would have guessed. she was bulimic. Which is- yeah. Like you wouldn't yeah. recognize her in that costume. Like that was hilarious to me. And I also mm. want to see what all the other superheroes, uh, quote unquote, secret identities are. <laughs> Right, right. And what I think is interesting, too, is how so many of them, like Homelander is like, I just never, I don't do it. Because he's not interested in being a normal person. Like the deep, he's not interested in being a normal person. The only reason Translucent because, like hides in plain sight is because he can. He wants to be a creepy weirdo, you know? So it's interesting <laughs> yeah. to see like who actually wants to have a secret identity and who mm-hmm. is not interested in it at all. Um, but yeah, I would I would be interested to see um, Anthony Stars because did you know his brown hair? Like watching him on Instagram, like he wears glasses. He's got like real dark hair. He's like in real Australia. Life. Yeah, it's like oh, that's, that's a different Homelander. I like he makes it. a good blonde. Yeah, I don't. Know. He does. He I know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have guessed it. Yeah. Um. All right. So as we're closing out, let's choose our fighter. So Rachel, who is your fighter for the episode? Which oh, is Frenchie. kind of like our MVP. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Frenchie. MVP. Um, he is hot, hot, hot. And yeah. I liked his character. I thought and yeah, so I was I am excited to have him in the show and to continue observing <laughs> his beauty for episodes to come. <laughs> Please don't tell me if he gets killed off. <laughs> Lips are sealed, yeah. Okay, good. We'll have lots of Frenchie in our future. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, mine is Huey. I gotta go with Huey again. Like I just I love him. I love his arc in this episode. Um, yeah, big big Huey fan. He's probably he and Starlight are my two favorites characters. I think, although they're all my favorites. Um, all right. And so our last category is predictions. So, Rachel, what do you think might happen next time? And what are you excited to see? Well, okay. So I'm guessing I think that we're going to see Huey struggling to reckon with his um, actions and decisions made in this last episode. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Killing somebody, it's kind of a big deal. Exploding somebody <laughs> all over you. You know, mm-hmm. he's got... He's had a lot of people explode on him, which also like that has to be kind of triggering. <laughs> like, oh seeing yeah, how, like mm-hmm. he literally just had his girlfriend explode like all over his face to then explode somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that is going to be an issue. Um, I am expecting uh, the A train plot to mm. thicken because we did learn. Wait, I already forgot what we learned. He was coming from somewhere. He was coming from somewhere. Yes, translucent oh. revealed that when he was popclaw. Popclaw, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I am assuming that we might perchance meet said popclaw. Um, so looking forward to that. As far as what I'm excited to see, or like what I would hope to see, I really want to see these uh, superhero apartments that they live in. <laughs> it seems like they like live in this building. But like I think they share a bathroom, which is weird. I don't know. Like it's yeah, like a communal a like weird. dorm. <laughs> Maybe they don't. Maybe that's just like the public one. But yeah, I would love to see how like Homelander decorates his apartment versus <laughs> like how the deep decorates his apartment. Cause I feel like there's like beer cans everywhere and it's kind of mm. gross. Yeah. Um, so that would be what I would like to see. And 
I want to see more Maeve because she was not in this like at all. <laughs> yeah, she she hasn't done too much. I do love Queen Maeve. Um, well, I'm not going to say whether any of those things are going to happen in the next episode <laughs> because I can't actually remember what happens in episode three. Like a lot of it runs together, <laughs> um, but I do know that every single episode is fantastic. We are going to be back in two weeks to talk about episode three. But before we do, Rachel, where can we find you online? And do you have anything exciting coming up? Sure. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Vinyl Girl, G-R-R-R-L, or on Instagram at The Vinyl Girl. And um, yeah, I will be doing some podcasting for The Pod and the Pendulum. We've been covering the Purge series, so working our way through that bad boy. <laughs> and um, yeah, lots of writing stuff too. You can always, I always share those on social media stuff too so follow me there and you will see those pop up from time to time yeah uh, you can follow me at Jen Ferratu, um on twitter and instagram and that's usually the best way i'll usually share whatever i'm i'm working on um can find both of us co-hosting the losers club podcast also um i just did an episode on children of the corn the new one and i've been watching all of the children of the corn movies <laughs> to write a thing oh. about it and Ooh, it's a oh boy the the it's it's like the hellraiser franchise except without the high of hellraiser you know and hellraiser yeah too. except it's children and corn and corn yeah although i will say the new movie i i enjoyed it it was it was by far not the worst of the children of the corns um but yeah so i'll share all of that stuff jen adams not just the hold- worst <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, and so that's it for this episode of The Girls on the Boys. We are going to be back in your ears to talk about episode three in two weeks. But until then, remember, you guys, you're the real heroes. Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.